I firmly believe nothing is ever lost or nothing is ever wasted in life that we go through. And I think by hitting rock bottom and pulling myself out of it, it has shown me just exactly what I'm actually capable of. I think it's the darker parts of being human that when we brave enough and we have the courage to go there and then move through it and pull ourselves out of it, it actually shows us the capacity we have as a human being. And that's what I learned. But I think we also need that moment of realisation that we are the ones that have got ourselves locked in that prison, like that prison of our minds. And But we're the only ones that can get ourselves out of it and we are the ones that have to become aware of it first too. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, you are going to listen to an extraordinary soul, beautiful Bryony Jurd. She is a coach, a certified master practitioner of NLP. She's a clinical hypnotherapist, and she's also trained in a number of different psychotherapy techniques, mindset work, emotional regulation, and somatic release work. Now, this amazing soul is going to share her story today, and you're going to love to hear with her incredible engineering, critically minded thinking, how she became someone that works in this realm. She does do one-to-one coaching. She runs workshops and seminars with her beautiful husband, Rob, and they help others to revolutionize their relationship and step into their individual power. Now, this beautiful soul has a long history in personal development, spiritual, emotional mindset, and holistic health work that started around 19 years ago, as you'll hear in her story today. She has helped herself get over and recover from chronic fatigue and many other health issues helping to support herself to get her fitness and physical health back on track and thriving, also improving her mental health significantly and pursuing and stepping into her life purpose. And that is to help others overcome their challenges and step into living their best, beautiful, most amazing, extraordinary life. Now, before she stepped into her coaching business, I just want you to realize, and as I mentioned, she was in the engineering world, particularly in the biomedical corporate space, where she was working in the product development, education, research, marketing, and clinical services in various regional and global leadership roles. So you're going to hear why this is such important work to her and why she is so passionate about helping others stepping into their power growing their confidence and self-belief, letting go of their past and anything that's been holding them back, helping them to find their passion and purpose and ultimately create and live their very best life. Now, I think you're going to enjoy hearing how she and her husband, Rob, are now working together in their coaching business and alongside their two gorgeous boys, they have allowed their whole family to grow up ensconced in and open to the work that they do. And I think what you're going to really love more than anything is hearing the humanness behind it all. Yes, we can have all the education in the world. Yes, we can do all the work in the world. But until we really step into and establish and understand the humanness in this thing called life, then maybe we may continue to struggle. By becoming the observer, by understanding that we are all living the best that we can with what we have, but realizing there's so much more to life, 
I think that's what you're going to take away from today's interview. I sincerely hope you enjoy listening to the self-love podcast with these extraordinary guests that I get the privilege to interview. Please leave your comments and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28, my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training. And also you can go to the self-love podcast uh, on the wellness couch, which is at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Please continue to share this beautiful work. I hope you enjoy the interviews as much as I enjoy interviewing them. And I can certainly tell you that your five-star rating is what helps us to get this podcast, these stories and these incredible learnings out there even more. You just never know a random act of kindness by sharing a podcast like today, how it can impact and create a ripple effect in someone's life like you wouldn't believe. Take care, be kind. And thank you so much for tuning in each week to the Self Love Podcast. Take care, be kind. I am delighted this week to bring to you one of the most incredible souls, someone who I've had the pleasure of training with, someone who I've had the pleasure of learning with, and someone I've had the absolute delight and pleasure to watch grow and become one of the most phenomenal coaches and humans I've met. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, gorgeous Bryony Jerd. Thank you, Kim. So honoured to be on here. Oh, look, it is a privilege to share you and your journey. I, I think we also have a mutual love of running, so that always helps. But look, before we go into the story of what you're doing today, could you just give us a brief background as to where you're from? What pushed you into the work that you're doing today? And tell us a little bit about your life story. Yeah, sure. So look, I knew from a pretty young age, I wanted to do something that had a profound impact on the world. I just knew in my soul that I wanted to do something that was going to profoundly impact people's lives. It just took me a long time to find what that was. (laughs) But I realized every step of the journey played a role as well. And I, look, I did engineering. I was what you'd call a high achiever. I, yeah, I achieved a lot uh, in many different ways growing up. And I went into engineering because I had the analytical intellectual mind, but also I knew I wanted to do something practical in the world. And so as soon as I went into engineering, I realized biomedical was my jam. And I got a job with Cochlear leaving uni because my drive for that was, well, they make a product that brings hearing back to people's lives they make a profound impact on people's lives. So I really felt called to do that. So I stepped into that job and it was only a few years into it that I really realized I was more drawn to the people than the technical aspects. And so in my journey of cochlear, which I ended up being at for almost 19 years, I did many different roles, but I leaned way more towards the people side of things. And I ended up having leadership roles for Asia-Pacific region and globally as well, traveling the world, going into clinics, helping people with the technology, whether it was with training, support from a clinical technical aspect, uh, and just helping people get more out of the technology and basically live life to their fullest through that technology. And I love that. However, um, I got completely burnt out in the process. 
I, my drive to achieve and looking back now, but without the recognition at the time, was very much a way of how I felt I was loved and needed and felt worthwhile was through achieving. So I achieved, achieved, achieved. I, I threw a lot of my identity into that job, but I burnt out in the process. I developed chronic fatigue, all sorts of health issues. Uh, I would have, like I didn't have a diagnosis, but I'm sure I would have been diagnosed with depression at times. I was very anxious. I worried a lot, had that monkey mind going all the time, but I kept achieving and I hid a lot of that. And in achieving, I, yeah, I think I felt ashamed of what I had in my disease. I didn't, I know I didn't want that label. I didn't want that being my identity, but I felt guilty and ashamed for having this disease that was not visual. I always felt like it didn't look like there was anything wrong with me, but I always felt people would judge me if I told them I was diagnosed with this disease. I, I know now it was a projection of my own self-judgment and my own self-worth, but I kept chipping away at my work. I kept achieving and achieving really well, but without people knowing I was struggling, like I was struggling under the surface. I would go and sleep in my car during the day to get by. And no one knew this, like any colleagues listening now could be totally surprised by this. I kept it really hidden. Um, and I still kept striving in my job, but outside of my job, the rest of my life was sort of going to pieces a bit. I just didn't have the energy. I would struggle out of bed every day. I've just, I have so many memories of just struggling out of bed and living with chronic, chronic fatigue. Um, just hard to get up in the morning every day. But I had a determination when I was about 24 to get myself better as well. And I wanted to get myself better naturally. So I started hardcore researching and seeing the right kind of integrative medicine doctors, looking at myself from a physical. And over this long journey, I over the years, I, I basically got myself better. But it was through physical, mental, emotional, I would say it was the whole collective mind, body, spirit that got me better. And there was many aspects to that uh, that started with the physical. And in doing so, I also dived deep into my soul and spiritual side of things and explored my purpose. And throughout my time at Cochlear, I felt like I kept shifting jobs, searching for that golden key, that golden nugget of what would give me fulfillment because I had a whole time through my years there, I loved it and I loved helping people, but I always felt there was a missing piece of the puzzle. Like there was a void in me that I knew I was, wasn't living out my full purpose and I knew I wasn't living out my full capacity of life too with just how I felt physically and mentally and emotionally. But there was a draw in a drive in me that was that was like, I'm not going to give up here. I know this is not the full life I was meant to live. I know I had dreams that I would do a lot more than this. And I, I had a real inner drive to find that. And I just kept searching. So outside of work, I was diving deep into uh, listening to podcasts, listening to 
spiritual leaders, mindset leaders, uh, yeah, looking at physical health, looking at so many different avenues and personal development and and uh, and through that I found a passion and I healed myself and then I started studying more and then I got into NLP where we met that did hypnotherapy then lay it on a whole lot of other skills and I just realized this is what I want to do full-time and after almost 19 years in corporate I just had this inner soul knowing feeling that I just had to take the leap of faith and jump out of the corporate space and uh, dive into doing, living my purpose of helping others basically achieve their dreams like I've done as well, helping others get through challenges in life and realize what they are capable of and step into living all that they can be as well. And healing themselves in the, like I did. It's quite remarkable as you say this. I'm sure all the type A personalities, the high achievers, the drivers, those of us that have really big aspirations are listening to this going, yeah, yeah, I get it. And also this whole big conversation with autoimmune around chronic fatigue and the desire to drive and push ourselves beyond what is actually physically, mentally, emotionally probably desirable for our human life. Why do you think we do not know this? Why do you think we have to go through uh, burnout or chronic fatigue? Or why do we have to hit a rock bottom place in order to open ourselves up? Is it because we just don't know? I think that's a really good question. I think there's a couple of aspects. I think I didn't know. Uh, But I think going through it, I firmly believe nothing is ever lost or nothing is ever wasted in life that we go through. And I think by hitting rock bottom and pulling myself out of it, it has shown me just exactly what I'm actually capable of. I think it's the darker parts of being human that when we brave enough and we have the courage to go there and then move through it and pull ourselves out of it, it actually shows us the capacity we have as a human being. And that's what I learned But I think we also need that moment of realisation that we are the ones that have got ourselves locked in that prison, like that prison of our minds. And But we're the only ones that can get ourselves out of it and we are the ones that have to become aware of it first too. So I think, yeah, what you said, sometimes we don't know, but we have to have that moment of awareness where we realise where something clicks. And I had that in my past. Do you think then, I mean, you're... You're an intelligent woman, you've studied, you know how to research, you know how to do this. How do we not know this information? How do we not know how to source our purpose and our fulfillment and what drives us? What, how do we learn that when we're younger so that we don't suffer burnout? Or is what you're saying with nothing being wasted or lost is it just everyone's personal journey? Because you could have been told this and you may not have even heard it. Would that also be true? Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in we, we all need to go through our own journey and get our own lessons in our own way. And that's all part of what becomes our purpose. I believe every step along the way now helps me hold that space for others to believe in themselves. And I think by going through all of that, I can now hold the belief for others through my own journey. 
Yeah, yeah because not everybody goes through or goes to the level that you've gone to to really do the self-inquiry, to really do the work on yourself. Many people, and I say this as a generalised statement, and I certainly do not disrespect anybody for this, but they'll go to the doctor and they'll be put on a medication or maybe a couple of medications. Maybe they're told to rest. Maybe their body gives in in such a way that they are forced to rest. Do you think then that the reason why not everybody goes to the level that you went through was so that you are somebody that the others can come to when needed? Absolutely. I think that's the role you and I play and many other people in our network as well. And I think that's part of what I feel I'm called to do is to get that message out there, whatever way I can. I mean, I see myself as not only a coach and I am a coach, but also a leader, uh, an educator, and to use my own story my own research, my own learnings to help others realise they can actually change something within themselves and there's another way to look at this. When I hear you talk like this, I just it, it, it floats my jam, as you know, because as you said, we're both the same. But what I really love about this is what you said. It's your story, your perspective, your research, your learnings we know that no one else walks someone else's path. We are all individuals. We all have our own life story. But I think what's so powerful and profound, if you don't mind, because I'm not an engineer and what I'm curious to know is that structural way of understanding maybe biology or biomechanics or whatever the engineering side and pathway you go down, there's a real structure to understanding how this leads to this leads to this. Is it the same application you can apply to the mind and the emotions or do you think it's quite different? I'm so happy you asked this because I love talking about this. Um, For a long time I thought, why the hell did I do engineering? And now I've stepped into like helping people. But to me, yeah, I bring a lot of my engineering skills into what I do with a coach now because engineers, typically we are problem solvers. We are people who love to get a really, really complex problem and pull it all apart, find out what's at the bottom of it, find out how we can solve it. And honestly, I think I love working with people because to me, humans are the most complex thing ever. So it like, it completely floats my boat with, with from that aspect from that intellectual aspect but I just love also working with people so for me my engineering skills uh and the brain that mind I have that likes to intellectualize and think about things and dive deep I I look at a person in a way I see them as whole and perfect and human beautiful soul as they are but I can also get into the complexities of their mind and help um unlock things that are holding them back, help get to the bottom of the patterns and the behaviours and things that they can change to help propel them forward into all that they can be. And to me, that's a beautiful complexity of being human. Well, here's my next question then, because engineering perhaps, and you'll have to correct me, could be seen as black and white. Here's a problem, unravel it, get to the bottom of it, put it back together and solve it. Humans, as you said, are quite complex. 
is it as easy to do that or do you have to come in many back doors? Because as we both know, emotions and belief systems and perceptions of what we think is real is perhaps not. And more often than not, it's not. So how do you dive into that world? Yeah, well, this is where I think as an, yeah, I feel like an open mind and curiosity is something that always needs to be at play. And I, when I finished my time at Cochlear, I actually was, I started writing a book. I've got thousands and thousands of words written. It's not published yet, but one day it will be because I wanted to work out how did I get to where up from where I was in the depths of chronic fatigue ingrained in the corporate world with that identity with, you know, not well emotionally and mentally. And then how did I get to where I am now? where I'm healed, I'm living my purpose, I'm living a life of my creation, I've taken the leap. And I, I looked at it like a complex problem. And, and I wrote in my book, these are all the things that I believe needed to be key in reaching where I am. And it is such a holistic view, though. It's not, and it's not black and white, and there's so many aspects to it. And that's where I really realized it's a mind, body, spirit. And we can't always logic all of that. So there's a level of logic and there's a level of I just need to surrender and be open and it's that spiritual aspect as well. So I think it's it's a mix of both and I think we always need to be open to the possibilities. Uh, and, yeah, there's, there's the mental part, there's the emotional, there's the physical, there's so many different aspects at play. But that's that's also what's so fascinating about being human. It makes our job so different every single day. I want to talk to you then about your relationship because I know you're married to an extraordinary human who's also gone down this path. But before we talk about him going down this path, what's it like when you as one of the partners is diving deep into all of this work and learning and filling your heart, mind, body and soul to then have someone, and with respect, I don't mean leave them behind per se, but if they're not keeping up with you or enlightened by what you're doing, how did you guys navigate your way through that? Or how did you manipulate, I mean, support him to also go down the pathway? So, yeah, that's a really good question. And we get asked this quite a bit. Uh, I, yeah, so I was... let's say a head of Rob with no comparison or judgment in doing the work because I really, yeah, I I really felt I needed to, to get myself better. And, but in doing so, Rob always had an interest and we would talk a lot and I would, you know, he, he gave me the bandwidth and the support to go off and do workshops or retreats or explore, you know, go and do meditation. I was heavily into meditation, have been for a long time and all those things. And yeah, he was really supportive, but also very curious and very interested. So I think Rob's also got an engineering background. He's a very curious, open-minded human being as well. And I think that played a big role. He was always curious and open to what I was doing and I would share with him. So I think I was also open. I think that helped. And we would talk about it a lot and he was always interested. But I also think I never, yes, I would have loved at the time for him to sort of follow my path, but I also realised I couldn't force it on him. No one likes to be told what to do. And I did learn 
through a bit of trial and error that I just needed to accept him where he was at and be grateful that he supported me in my journey, but just go about my thing. And I also think in a relationship and what we teach people and what we do in our coaching is it's always important to remember we are two independent souls and not to become too dependent on each other. Yes, be there to support and love each other, but it's also important that we keep our individuality. And he supported me in doing that. And then he found his own journey. And then a few years later realized he just saw me change. I think I I just played a role of setting the example, but just being me, walking my path with him supporting me with no judgment and me placing no judgment on him. We didn't, weren't always perfect in this aspect, but I think this is what worked for us is we just let each other be who, who we are. And then he, he couldn't deny the change in me, the way I opened up and, yeah, just seeing the person I blossomed into and the confidence I had and my self-worth grow. And he just wanted to follow and he did in his own time, in his own way. He just came to me one day and said, I'm going to do NLP. And of course I was fully supportive and yeah, then he stepped out and now we're in business together. It's amazing. Quite a beautiful story. Yeah. Um, I just wouldn't mind if we backtracked a little bit. I've heard a lot of people talk about chronic fatigue and a lot of people believe that it's incurable. How have you navigated your way through that? And are there any steps or any particular things that have really hit you in a way that has allowed you to really break through and heal yourself from this? Yes, I I believe for me, there was a lot of different steps involved. I think, honestly, my mindset was the biggest thing. Uh, I never, like I think I mentioned before, I never wanted the identity of I have chronic fatigue. And I think although I held shame and guilt around having it, which I know wasn't good because then I was just layering a lot of negative emotion into my body, um, when someone has chronic fatigue, we are filled with a negative emotion and I was just layering it on even more by judging myself for having it. However, I think it served me positively too that I never wanted the identity of it. I didn't want myself associated with it because a lot of people I think allow um, and for no judgment on them because it's a, it is a debilitating disease, but they allow themselves to become consumed um, within the identity of it. And I think it makes it hard to then break out of it. So I think belief and mindset was absolutely key for me breaking out of that. And I remember the day that I actually unlocked that. And it's a memory that didn't seem significant at the time, but I know looking back how significant it was. And I became aware that it was my thoughts keeping me trapped in this state of disease in my body. Because what would happen is I'd be so tired and my mind would go, well, I better not plan that event on Friday night because I won't be able to go because I'll be too tired and blah, 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 blah. And then I was already telling myself a story of things I couldn't do. So, of course, when, we, when our mind, when we tell ourselves a story, our mind believes it. Our minds are so powerful. So then, of course, my mind said, okay, Friday, my body will be tired. And then, of course, I was tired and I couldn't go. And so then I'm like reinforcing the belief. 
But And then my physical health had gone down so much as well. So it was about seven years ago I remember going, I'm just not fit anymore. I'm so down. I struggle to get out of bed. I remember in my darker days, though, remembering this is not me. I know this is not my path. And I think that was also key. I had a visual of a future that was not where I was at. And I think I held strong onto that, even in my darkest days. It was like, no, it was like this grit and determination. It's like, no, this is not my life. So very much just a powerful visualization, a powerful thought. And one day I started to realize that it was my thoughts keeping me trapped and it was my thoughts that were holding my body imprisoned in this disease. And I became consciously aware of that. And it was that moment of awareness that made me then change it. And it took grit and determination. First of all, I went, I need to get into the gym three times a week because I need to show my body that it actually is capable. And I, for three times a week, religiously I got myself into the gym so it was it was a push at first it was a real driving force and discipline at first um once I became aware of the thought and then I no matter what I'd get myself into the gym if I felt like I was going to throw up I'd still be in there I'd be in there I'd be dizzy I'd be in pain I'd sometimes go home and have to go back to bed however after doing that for a few weeks my body started to get stronger and then I went, wow, my, and that told my mind, hang on, no, my body is actually stronger than the mind thinks it is. And then that motivated me. I got all the good endorphins that wanted me, that made me want to keep going. And so my body got stronger and in doing so my mind got stronger and my mind started to realize that actually, yeah, it was like this two-way exchange between the mind and the body. Our mind tells our body what it is, is and isn't capable of, um, but it cannot, that can be used in a positive way as well. So I got my mind stronger by making my body stronger. I got my body stronger by making my mind stronger, and it just, just kept getting stronger and stronger. There yeah. must have been other elements to that as well. We know that it's not just mind and it's not just body, but you strike me as someone who's also got a very good health consciousness. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's all very good and well to talk about the mind and the body, but the body is fueled by good nutrition, great environment, sunlight. Did you have to supplement your way through this as well? Or how did you look at it from a fueling point of view? Because I think this is just as critical. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I uh, even before that time, I was seeing a integrative medicine doctor and a naturopath. And again, I brought a lot of discipline into making sure I was putting healthy foods into my body. So yes, that was definitely an important aspect as well. So the physical, the mental, uh, and then the spiritual as well, like meditation played a big role in helping me calm my mind and have my mind in a better state as well. But definitely fueling my body with healthy foods was extremely critical. I mean, I cut out all unnatural uh, substances from my body many years ago. Uh, that was part of part of a dis- very, very disciplined routine for a period of time where I'd have zero alcohol 
no sugar, nothing artificial, no wheat, no dairy, no yeast, no caffeine. Uh, I went very clean for a period of time. I just want to acknowledge you for that because I think to be well and to be truly functioning at your highest potential, it doesn't just happen. (laughs) So many people look at slim, healthy, fit, rich, entrepreneurial, whatever types, celebrities, whatever, and they all go, oh, it's all right for her. She must or he must have been born with the lucky gene. But the word I keep hearing you say is discipline. And I also interviewed a couple of ladies on the show who felt that the word discipline was also quite a strong word and quite almost they saw it as a telling off because when you're disciplined, you know, you're being told off is another perspective of that meaning. And they called it discipline devotion or devoted discipline. And I quite liked adding in that devotion. And to me, it sounds like for a period of time, you became incredibly devoted to your healing with the power of discipline. Do you think discipline is something that's easy, whether we call it devoted discipline, devotion or whatever, that word discipline seems to be, and it's one of the steps in my self-love process, is critical. And therefore, how do you train someone or tell someone or coach someone to be disciplined when it's hard enough for them to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, really good question. I know that word can have quite negative connotations for a lot of people. I see it personally as radical self-kindness. And like you mentioned, it's one of the steps of self-love. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I was actually giving myself permission to love myself enough to look after my body and heal myself. Uh, I think what's really important is to have a why to have a motivation. Without that, discipline is just, well, yeah, well, why would I even do it? So for me, I held that vision of getting better, of living my purpose, of getting myself out of that dark place, of remembering how much I loved it when I was younger and I was fit and I could play soccer and I could run. Like that was my motivation um, to get myself feeling like that again and living life and having the energy to run around after my kids and just enjoy myself and be there for the people I love. Like I just had so many different whys and I think, and that is what I tell my clients too. I don't want people just to go into the gym because they're forcing themselves to. I want them to do it because they have a higher reason and purpose that serves them, that feeds their soul and helps them reach levels of fulfillment in, in doing so. So, yeah, the discipline for the sake of discipline I don't think is, I think it's a bit pointless, but it's the why. Thank you so much for the distinction because I think for so many people they just think it's a thought, they'll get on and they do it, but we all know that there is a daily application of devotion to being disciplined and I think that is really the key. And I think what you've just mentioned there then, the why, the passion, There has been many people I've asked, you know, what is your why? What is your passion? What is it you want to do? And I have to be honest with you, Bryony, a lot of people haven't asked themselves this question, let alone know how to answer it. How are some of the ways that you help people or educate people to find their why, their mission, their vision, their purpose? What are their values? How do you do this for people? Yeah, this is one of the things I love doing for my clients because the thing, one of the things I realize is 
generally as human beings, we are far more capable than we ever tend to give ourselves credit for. And this is where I love to help people see what they are capable of and not put any limits on it. Uh, So, you know, there's all these techniques that we can do in coaching that I do with my clients to really dig deeply into their soul and find out right from their heart and soul, what is it that drives them? What is a life that will fill their bucket, that will help them feel fulfilled and help them feel like they're serving this world in a place that's truly aligned with them. Because when we're in service in a way that's aligned with us, that is one of the key components to fulfillment in my mind. So I love diving deep into what is the what does an aligned life look like for someone? What is an authentic life? Diving deep within them to yeah, their values and digging that out of them. It's it's all within everyone. Everybody I see, we all have the answers within us, but it often takes someone outside of us. And that's another benefit of a coach is just someone getting outside of our head and really looking into our soul and, and seeing what we are capable of as a human being and then helping helping them as a client realize that too and then stepping them through the creation of that. We are creator beings and I believe we are never given a dream or a fantasy of something that we are not actually capable of realizing, of actualizing. And I, that's what I love to help my clients see that in them, help them kick goals and do things that they previously thought they weren't capable of. Do you have an example or do you have a story you can share with us, maybe a client or someone who's actually really gone beyond or maybe done what you've suggested they do and their life has turned around? Have you got a story you could share? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a client who I'm, I'm currently coaching who stepped out of full-time work a couple of months ago to fully step into her business and her life purpose in the way I have. And to see someone have the courage, I guess I had too, but to see someone have the courage to do that with my guidance uh, is incredible Um, for her to be ingrained again in a corporate world, which is so easy to stay in, stay in the safety zone and the known uh, and then have the courage to step out and actualize her purpose and get her business running while she's got two young kids and a family. Yeah, to me, that really lights me up. Well, I think also when we see people live their dream or live their purpose, it has a ripple effect. And that ripple effect shows her children to live your dreams and shows her partner what's possible or shows her parents who she truly is. Do you think then as parents, as adults, we all do in some ways carry a responsibility for future generations to do this work on ourselves? Would that be your interpretation of it? And if so, how can we do this if it's not through coaching? Is there any other methods of ways that we can do the work for ourselves? Yes, so yes, absolutely. I um, fully believe that 
we do have a responsibility to show our kids what they are also capable of, and we do that by embodying it ourselves. We are the biggest teachers for our kids. They watch us. They look to us for guidance. It's how we live our lives and what we show them and what we embody that they also just subconsciously take on for themselves as well. So I think that's better than sending them on any course or seeing anyone for any type of coaching or therapy is as parents, we live what we want them to live. So if we want them to grow up and be all that they can be and be accepting of themselves for who they are, I think we need to show them how to do that. Well, I think that's where a lot of adults maybe stay in childlike mode and may not realize just how much of an influence and an impact they have on these young beings. And certainly in ways, not only the way we think and behave, but what we eat, what we value, what's important to us, where we put ourselves down, you know, all the things you've been talking about so far this morning and the way that you've crawled through your challenges has been massive acts of self-love, and yet you weren't feeling the love through those times. Firstly, what is your definition of self-love? And then how the hell have you managed to love yourself or have patience for yourself through those times when you least felt it? So self-love to me has a few different aspects. I think it starts with accepting ourselves in each and every moment whatever we are feeling and whatever we are experiencing. I think that's where it starts. And it takes a lot of self-compassion. But it's in recognising how we are feeling that we can also then discern what we need, perhaps as an act of self-love. So so I believe it's giving ourselves permission to be however we are feeling and then just discerning in each moment what what we need. Uh, and I believe in doing so, it basically brings us into a place of living from our heart as much as possible. And when we discern what we need in each moment, that might sometimes be an act of receiving. It might mean we just need some quiet time. We might need to ground in nature. We might, we might want to reach out to a friend. It might be going for a run. It might be... Uh, but it also might be actually an act of service because that actually often will bring us into our heart by doing something for someone else that's aligned with our soul. That actually can be completely fulfilling and and loving. To me, that can actually be an act of self-love even because it's it actually fills our bucket at the time. Uh, sometimes it could be exploring something deeper within us. We might need to heal a certain part of ourselves that's come to light and accepting it and bringing it to light, we realise, okay, it's time to transmute this. It's time to go into it and heal that. But I also think part of self-love is giving ourselves permission to be all that we can be and to not live life small. So I think it's, it's almost, it's, I would, Think of it like a responsibility, but it's more like just a permission, a permission to be the person that we can be. Uh, and that that's not a comparing to anyone else, but it's allowing ourselves to even have the courage to take 
action towards being that person that we are capable of. Because in doing so, every act of courage we take, every act from the heart, which I believe is also self-loving, shows us another level of capability we have as a human being. And every time we take an act of courage and step out into the unknown in a way that's aligned with our heart, we actually increase our capacity to hold love within ourselves. And that love can be for us, but it can also then translate to giving to others. And it also increases our capacity to hold more in our nervous system and creates more levels of fulfillment within us. So I also think it's those acts of courage stepping forward in an aligned way with our soul that also contributes to holding more love within ourselves. And to me, that is also self-love. So I think it's a an act, an act of taking almost responsibility or, like I said, giving ourselves permission to be all that we can be and also allowing ourselves to just be whoever we are in each moment, a mix of self-compassion and permission to, to grow and expand. Mm, so powerful and really quite liberating because you're giving us the freedom in what you're saying to be, but you're also giving us the empowerment to be what we could be and what we know we, uh, we may not know consciously what it is that we can be, but we certainly know at an unconscious level. With your engineering hat on and maybe crossing into the quantum physical realm, how would you describe the conscious versus the unconscious? That's a good question. So I would describe the conscious mind as being the thoughts that we are aware of. The thoughts that we're aware of, it's, it's our, our critical thinking mind the mind that can solve the problems and think about all the little tasks we have to do day to day. The unconscious mind is getting deeper, deeper into the layers of the thoughts that we are not normally conscious of, but but we can become the observer of. So like when we're doing a meditation, we can become the observer of our thoughts and then we are getting deeper into the layers of the mind and the unconscious and we're feeling into the emotions in our body. And that, to me, that's part of our unconscious mind. We're feeling into whatever, just allowing whatever from our memory banks and our emotions to all bubble up and observe them. Then we are observing our unconscious mind. Would you say then, you mentioned before two things, running and meditation. I know for me, running is a form of meditation Um, if people aren't runners or maybe they're not meditators, how else can we find ourselves going into that trance or into that void state that allows us to become the observer? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, so to me it is with running, I mean there's other forms, body movement can do that and that doesn't need to be running. So, yes, running definitely does that for me. It gets me out of my conscious monkey mind, thinking brain that we're talking about and into my unconscious mind. And I think unconscious mind is also where our creativity lives. It's where we're in touch with our spirit, in touch with our soul. That's also our unconscious when we're tapped into that and we're in flow, in inspiration. So there's many ways we can get in flow and an inspiration, and that's through any any 
body movement. So dance, yoga, anything that gets our body moving and flowing. But it's also creativity, creative tasks. For me, writing does it. Gets me out of my thinking mind. When I just let myself write and just let whatever comes through and I'm letting go of trying to control it or or think of a certain topic to write about and I just write, that's also me getting into my unconscious layers and out of my conscious mind. So anything creative, art, music does that for me as well because music gets us also anything that gets us out of our mind and into feeling our body. So music does that, brings out emotions and feelings. Uh, anything creative like that is is also a way to get into the unconscious. And the other thing that you add to this in your work that is so profound is the power of hypnotherapy and moving people into a deeper state of consciousness, being able, unconsciousness, being able to trust you to take them there. How have you found hypnotherapy has added to your repertoire of skills especially, and I'm just thinking of the critical thinkers out there, the logical people, the the engineers of this world, how the hell do you describe to your past fellow engineers that hypnotherapy is such a powerful tool? Yeah, and I have had a few clients who love to get into the nitty-gritty and understand those things as well, but they do. Often these are people that will read up about like, leaders like Joe Dispenza or something who can explain the science behind all of this. There is science behind it. Uh, so you know, those people can always be satisfied and I can talk to those aspects with people as well. Uh, but yes, hypnotherapy is an incredible tool to get us out of our critical mind and change those patterns of thought and behavior at a much deeper level than just we can do in just talking. And I do, yeah, I do explain to my clients about how the importance of getting out of the critical thinking mind. And people do, yeah, people do understand that. And people, everyone seems to know about meditation. So I often use that as an example and say, when I'm using hypnotherapy and blending it in with all the other techniques and tools that I've learned as well, that I, yeah, well, I can get them deeper into the, unconscious mind and out of the critical thinking where we can actually make longer lasting, deeper change, unlock beliefs that are no longer serving them, unlock old patterns, go into past trauma and change the perspective on it to, to one that can allow them to make peace with it, let go and move forward. Do you think then understanding people's levels of trauma knowing that we've all had traumas, whether it was mini traumas as a child getting lost in a supermarket, that's quite traumatic for a young child. And yet as an adult, we look at that and go, you are fine. But all the mini traumas, along with as we go through puberty, teenage years, school, friendships, love, maybe the possibility of alcohol, drugs, all of these situations and things, we carry these little mini traumas throughout life. And so are you saying that you're accessing our unconscious mind to see them from a perspective of learning and growth and opportunity rather than holding on to them and then making adult life seem so traumatic? I mean, it just it seems too good to be true, but in your humble opinion, what would you say to that? Yeah, great question. Uh, and we carry these little 
traumas in us, or, or they can become big traumas. They can be something that might seem small, like you're saying, getting lost in a supermarket, but can actually have a huge impact on us in adult life without us even realizing often. Because when we have something painful happen in our past, our unconscious mind will go, well, I don't want that thing to happen again. I want to do anything I can to avoid it. So we'll develop patterns around it to make sure we avoid it. And then we bring those into adulthood. They don't serve us anymore. And we don't necessarily need those patterns in order to keep safe, but they're still running unconsciously. So in the work that I do, I'm helping people realize that they don't need to hold on to that fear anymore because they are co- we're coming at the sessions from their adult higher self, but we are exploring what it was like for their inner child, for their younger self. But from an adult perspective of realizing, I don't need to be scared of that thing that happened when I was three anymore, but also giving compassion to the inner child that experienced that. And it's so important that we don't deny or judge or we any feelings that we experienced as a child because any feelings we had were warranted because a three-year-old getting lost in a supermarket, it would be hell scary. So it's important as part of that healing to acknowledge it, not dismiss it, understand that those feelings were warranted at the time and do that part of the process, but then also recognize as an adult that, okay, I don't need to be afraid of that anymore. Change the perspective of it on it and create the safety now as an adult in realizing that we can move forward in a healthier way and don't need to carry that fear anymore. But it's so important to acknowledge that what we experienced as well. Yeah, very, very important. I think then as an adult and as we move into life, it's not to say that you do this work and all of a sudden your life's perfect and everything falls into your lap or, you know, life's just this amazing rainbows and unicorns. We know that emotions like grief and anger and shame and guilt and all of these things, whilst they can limit us if we hold on to unwarranted beliefs or perspectives, we also know that emotions serve us. How do you teach people to understand the distinction between a limiting emotional belief into honouring an emotional belief? Yeah, emotions play such an important role and it's a lot of what I I do with my clients is first teaching them to even be aware of the emotions they're feeling. And yeah, we are, we are human and we're meant to feel and we have emotions, like you said, for a reason and they are messengers. They are useful to tap into. And we, yeah, like, like you said, Kim, life isn't meant to be rainbows and unicorns all the time. And we do experience the full gamut of human emotions and we we always will but it's how we navigate them that can help us in terms of reaching a life that is full that is full and rich as it as it can be it's how we recognize and manage the emotions that makes such a big difference because our emotions don't want to be dismissed they're there for a reason and the worst thing we can do is try and put them aside and suppress them in all the ways that we can, um, the best thing we can do is to acknowledge any emotion we feel 
And that's coming back to, I guess, what I was saying about self-love is being accepting of ourselves no matter where we are and what we're feeling. And emotions want to be acknowledged. And it's not until we acknowledge it and accept it that we can then look at what it's teaching us and take something positive from it and then let it pass. And if we deny our emotions, we're only creating resistance and conflict in our bodies. And the more that we do that over time and push against our emotions, the more the resistance builds up in our body. And then that's what eventually causes disease, pain, tiredness. So it's really important that we make friends with our emotions, no matter what we're feeling. And even just in acknowledging them is a step forward. So, so true. I love it. Make friends with our emotions all of them and understand them and get curious as to why you're feeling them, but also allow them to be. Sometimes we don't even have to inquire. Sometimes we just need a damn good cry. Sometimes we just need to ring a girlfriend, maybe with a bottle of wine or maybe with a kombucha, whatever floats your boat. But just sometimes we need to, as you say, express ourselves. I think one of the most powerful things I'm taking from you today is honoring who we are right here, right now loving ourselves right here, right now, getting excited and becoming the inquirer of our own life, understanding everything's happened for us, not to us, and then realizing there's a pathway out the other side. I think as a coach, your gentleness, your strength, your having lived through so many different variables and so many different scenarios, also understanding that corporate treadmill which can also be a metaphor for life's treadmill, no matter what. I think one of the most beautiful things about you is that real, quiet, determined strength. Do you think you've always had that, dear Bryony? And if so, are you now just seeing just what a gift that is? And how are you using that in your relationship, your family, your children, your coaching? Talk to us about that. Yes, I have always had that. And I know I because I've asked my mum before and she said, yep, you were one of those kids that if there was a mountain to climb, you'd climb it. I got bored with just walking. A lot. <laughs> but if there was rocks or something to climb, I'd be up and climbing it. And so I, yeah, I think I've always been someone that's wanted adventure and always been very, very determined. And I think that has it's been one of those aspects of my character that got me out of the state of chronic fatigue and has served me in so many ways. It's allowed me to take opportunities that were given to me. I'm a big believer if an opportunity is presented to us to grab it and don't slip it, don't let it slip by. It's also a part of me that's made me realize that we really are the creator of our lives and that determination. I knew if there was something in my path or something that I believed for myself or something I wanted to make happen, I'd be as yeah determined to just make it happen and I would find a way. I didn't just, yeah, I didn't just stop at the first hurdle. I would keep going. And I think running has really shown me that as well. <laughs> yeah, even with torn muscles, chafing, lifting toenails, you realize that it's pushing those boundaries, knowing your limitations, but also knowing that we can push beyond those limitations. And I think 
that is something that I truly respect and adore and admire in you. Um, and I also really value it. I do have a little personal question. I'm fascinated by this. A husband and a wife, a team that understand the work, that know how we can coerce ourselves into believing something different. We know perspectives. We know what is a truth or what isn't a truth, beliefs, all of these things. Do you two ever argue? Do you ever call each other out on this? Do you ever find yourselves really demonstrating the work full on and using it maybe as a weapon, not just a tool? Have you ever used it in that way? <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said no. <laughs> That's a really good question. I So, yes, yes, we do argue, uh, not nearly as much as we used to, and honestly, they don't last very long because we can't fool each other. <laughs> we know we're each responsible for our part. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes we do call each other out on stuff and we're just the other person may not be in the mood to hear it. <laughs> so we do do a bit of that. Uh, but the beautiful thing, I think, is that, yeah, we we always give ourselves permission to be learners no matter what. Like Rob and I don't ever say we've got everything 100% sorted out. I think the day that you say you do, you stop growing. So I think we also allow ourselves to sometimes stuff up between us and not be perfect all the time and not use these tools to 100% of our ability all the time even though we know them. We give ourselves permission to learn, but we are good about reflecting on things. When things go pear-shaped, we go, well, hey, how could we have done that differently? And make sure we're both taking responsibility in that aspect as well. So, Very true. And I would dare say to the person listening to this podcast that whilst you might be the one that listens to them and your partner doesn't, you can also, as Bryony said at the very beginning, take your own responsibility and be the change that you would love for someone else rather than telling them. I think that was a really beautiful insight at the beginning of this podcast. Look, my darling, you know I could talk to you forever. Um, what I would love to do as we come to the close of this is if someone's listening to this and they think, wow, I'd love to really work with Bryony, how could people get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is to start following me on socials and reach out to me that way. So I'm Bryony Jerd on both Instagram and on Facebook. I would encourage you just to start following me, have a look at my content, maybe watch some of my lives, see if that resonates. Or just reach out. I am always open and happy to have a chat with anyone who's even half considering this because I know it's a big deal to actually say yes to getting a coach, to say yes to changing your life. So I'm always happy to have a chat with anyone who's interested. So you can just reach out to me through socials and we can organize and chat and just see if anything comes of that, if it feels aligned. Powerful. Because I think half the thing is there's coaches and there's coaches. There's doctors and there's doctors. And I think the most important thing with this work is uh, understanding that you might need to speak to a couple of coaches before you find the one. Uh, and it's not that any coach is wrong. It's just you're looking for the one that really resonates at your deepest level. And you'll know that. You'll know that 
the minute you have a conversation with someone like Bryony, you will know. And the beautiful thing is she's done enough work to not take it personally if you'd rather her husband or someone else. So <laughs> that's the most beautiful thing about uh, people in this uh, phase of their lives with what they're doing and teaching. But I would say this, none of us get to be an Olympic athlete without a coach that sees our potential beyond who we are. None of us would possibly, you know, I get there's always exceptions to the rules, but I know that many of us won't push ourselves in the gym as hard as we would without a personal trainer. And so I would say the same thing. We have a mind that has the capability and ability to convince us that we don't need to do this work or convince us that maybe we've done enough. But I can assure you having a coach or a mentor or someone like Bryony in your corner would also allow you the, the ability to not let yourself off the hook either. And I think that is the real difference between living a great life to living an extraordinary one. So if you're ready for this and you're hearing this, then I urge you and I'll put all of the notes and the links into the show notes for you to follow beautiful Bryony and her gorgeous husband. But as we come to the close, you amazing soul, I'd love for you to give the self-love podcast listener your final message and then maybe your favorite quote that you're enjoying right now. Well, I'm going to start with the quote because I think that will lead into what I'd like to say is my, I have many quotes I love, but this one has got to be the favorite. It's Henry Ford. And he said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. It all comes down to belief. We are the creators of our lives and you are the creator of your life, but it comes down to what you believe and the story you're telling yourself. As soon as we tell ourselves a story that we're not capable of doing something, our mind will believe it. So what I would encourage you to do is to start changing your story by start, starting to change your thoughts and starting to allow yourself to believe in what you're capable of and start to become the creator of your reality rather than a victim of your past or a prisoner of your mind like I was years ago. Become the creator of your reality and believe in yourself. What a beautiful way to finish an incredible interview. Bryony, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for all you've been through and all you continue to share and for being such a bright light in so many people's lives. It has been an absolute honor and privilege to share you on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. I've really enjoyed this. And like you said, I think we could have talked all day. So <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. It's been amazing. Oh, it's a pleasure. And it helps that we have such a passion for the same things. So I, yeah. I know this will be continued, but thank you again, sweetheart. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives.
Boston Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.